Not too long after an argument, Martians kidnap a young boy's mom. And he accidentally kidnapped himself. He must race against time to save his mom and return to Earth. Hello, everyone. I'm Carol Luger. I'm Connor Izagiri. Welcome to an episode of Beyond the Bad. Today, we'll be talking about Disney-backed colossal failure, uh, Mars Needs Moms, a film which was such a box office bomb and received mixed and negative reviews from critics. Disney has since done what they only do best in these rare scenarios for them, bury it and act like it never happened. On that note, shoot over to my buddy Connor for the scores. Yeah, I believe this is Disney's biggest single film failure ever, which is, uh, I don't know if that's something to brag about. But for Disney, they just keep on trucking. Nothing's bankrupting that company. This is rocking a 37% critic score on Rotten Tomatoes, a 40% audience score. Critics' consensus reads, the cast is solid and it's visually (laughs) well-crafted. But Mars Needs Mom suffers from a lack of imagination and heart. I actually, I would flip that. I think it's visually horrific. And actually quite imaginative, and there is some heart in this. I think they fucked up. I'm actually with the critics. I felt no heart or imagination in this. I got one scene that touched me, and we'll get to that when we get to the awards. But overall, this was gribblediculous. Don't talk about him later. Um, This film, to me, was like how I feel about a lot of James Cameron's films as of late. That Okay, visually awesome. Yeah, cool, but Story-wise, boring as shit. Like, empty, hollow. This Or like the new Dune. Oh, ooh, shots fired. This had, for me, like, the animation style, there was this little bit, there was this, like, five-year period where animation got really bizarre. I blame Robert Zemeckis for this. And... He produced it, oh, yes. I think Mars Needs Moms is the movie that killed that, thank God, because this Uncanny Valley shit where people didn't look like people but they kind of looked like people. I got so tired of that. It was so weird. And this movie just feels so off because of that. There's no, like it doesn't look or feel like a Disney movie at all. Well, I think that's a big thing, right? Like I, the, that animation style doesn't really bother me. Like we've gotten some good stuff out of it. Like, um, you know, the Polar Express and stuff like that. But again, also Zemeckis. So we've got some good stuff out of it. I just think for the fact that this is a Disney film, this has Disney's name on it all over the fucking thing. It's weird because we're used to, obviously, when they start out with, with the 2D animation, then when they made the transition to 3D, um, that's what we're used to with Disney when obviously it's not a um, a Star Wars or a Marvel film, right? Which, excuse us on this recording, if we sound tired, we both just got back from a Thursday night showing a Black Panther Wakanda forever. And that movie's almost three hours long. Um... <laughs> But uh, you know, it's when you when you put that name on there, obviously there's gonna be expectations of like what the film, is, especially with animation, right? Um, and this film is very, it's like a black sheep, it's an outlier for Disney because it's it's not animated the way they usually do it. So that's why for me, I argue like, yeah, like I think the animation looks fine. I think it looks just as like Polar Express and all those other films that were coming out at that time look. 
it's just it doesn't there's like I'm, i remember watching things like something really dis like nothing screams disney to me if that makes any sense watching this film i'm i i get it the thing with disney you know they walt disney created this company on the backbone of animation animated films are their bread and butter it's what they've always been more the most known for it's you know it's what their company mostly you know represents before they started buying every studio that showed weakness but um they had the mcu on their belt yeah mcu star wars fox like jesus but outside that disney's it's animation that's what they do so when you got a weird film like this, is this even considered one of Disney's like animated classics? No, I just know it's on Disney Plus. Yeah, it's weird. Like it's it's the it's the it's the outlier. I don't know. It's it's such a strange idea, not well executed and freakishly animated. And everyone collectively was like, what the hell is this? And then two years later, they did Frozen, and everyone forgot about this. Disney animation was back. Yep. Even though, if you ask me, Frozen, not a bad film. Do I think it was a bit overrated? Yes. Um, yes. I haven't watched the sequel yet, though. Um, but but that's not like still a good movie. I'm not shitting on Frozen. Um, yeah, it. It's weird because, and that's the thing too, right? Like, so this was if this was pretty, this was when Disney was they were have they were kind of like you know, as anyone knows they have like the ups and downs, just like I always said about like comedies, right? Comedies have like its ups and downs when it's popular. Disney's kind of same thing with animation, right? Like it has periods where it's just like some off periods, and obviously we get like what we got when we were kids in the you know nineties and early two thousands, the Disney Renaissance, like they like to call it, yeah. um, that keeps getting live action remakes, um. And then obviously there was a trail off in a period where they just not really no no not many animated films coming out from them and ones that weren't taken off. Um and then like around this time, I think they were coming out with stuff here and there. Like I remember like I think Big Hero Six had probably come out, like little well, no, that was after it's 2011. So yeah, this was yeah, this was right before they took off with Frozen Princess and the the Frog. There we go. Yeah, that was 08. I think Tangled was 2010. Okay, so they yeah, they had like little movies here and there that were kind of showing like they might be back. Um, yeah. So I know Princess and Frog, yeah. I know a lot of people stand by. Um, and then obviously, you know, Tangled was a big hit. Um, and then there was this. And I'm sure people were like, what the fuck, Disney? And then like, it just, like you said, it just, it came out bombed horrendously we'll get into that don't worry it's disappeared and then they came out frozen people went oh okay disney's back it's like if you're at a like a like a seven course meal and the first course is like some you know delicious soup that's princess and the frog and then you get like a nice little sandwich thing and that's tangled and then you get like a three-year-old can of beans that's like gone bad and you're like what the fuck is this that's mars needs mom's but then you get a like entree that is so delicious you completely forget about it and that's frozen, and then it just keeps going all the way to Encanto and it's so good nobody feels the need to bring up the weird can of beans you got. Yeah, or that Frozen had a sequel that no one talks about. Yeah, made like really? a billion worldwide. That that's the strangest one. Like this one at least like bombed. Like Frozen Two made a shit ton of money and no one talks about it. 
Nor is it, it even isn't it weird when a film is like isn't it weird when a film is like insanely financially successful but like not culturally relevant in the slightest that's that rarely happens but when it does happen it's when it does happen it's fucking weird it's very weird um that's happened a couple times with Disney. like i would argue toy story 4 huge hit you don't really hear too many people talk about it. like a lot of people stand by like the original trilogy but i don't hear as much talk on toy story 4 and i'm like that was a huge hit what happened yeah a i think a lot of people saw that movie. the biggest for me the biggest one's avatar like you know nearly, avatar next. yeah nearly three billion dollar box office you know the biggest film of all time I don't, you know, until part two, you know, the trailer came out, like everyone had kind of just moved on. Like, you know, no one's yeah. got, you know, I, I have never met anyone who says that's one of, the, one of their favorite movies or anything. Yeah, no, I haven't. I've had some people that now with the, you know, the trailer, like you said, the trailer being out for the new one, being like, oh, dude, it looks so good. I'm like, and I've had people, I, uh, some people be like, oh, because they're like, of course, they're asking me myself, you know, we're movie buff, so it's like, oh, what do you think? I'm like, oh, it looks okay. And they're like, wait, what? And I'm like, the first one was okay. I was like, yeah, I saw it like everyone fucking else did to make it where it's at now. I was like, but beyond the 3D, I I love that there's people. Okay. I love there's people who are like, we must consult the Oracle, and then they go to you. It's like, what is what is thou saith about the new Avatar? <laughs> I do decree. It does not look that great. Oh my! And then they just talk amongst themselves, like, "What does this mean?" <laughs> just picturing yeah, no, it. It's all yeah. It's it's always fun. It's it's a couple of, uh, buddies of mine at work, right? And it's it's just always fun. So like, I get it. Like they want me to be like, "Oh hey, you know, he's a movie guy. What does he think?" And then like, oh, I'm like, no, you don't. You actually don't. Everyone asks the movie guy what he thinks because we've seen so many films, especially when like me and my like myself, Josh, have been to film school. Like, no, don't ask us because we have a much different like opinion going into films and like most of the general podcasts. Not trying to say like I'm better or anything, like that's not what I'm saying. Um, just obviously different perspective than a, a casual moviegoer. Um, so it's yeah, it's fine when they ask me and I'm not showing any excitement. I'm just like, yeah, Avatar 2 looks it looks okay. It looks like it's gonna be a case of visually impressive and okay story. I'm actually Funny enough, it comes out on my birthday. I'm not rushing to see it on my 30th birthday. No. Oh, I know I can watch. I'm, you know, I'm I'm working on my master's degree in film history, and once I have that, I firmly believe I will be better than everybody else. I'm looking forward to those days. Neil, before your master, I'm just kidding. I won't ever. <laughs> No, but yeah, it is, you know, you watch so much shit, you know, you watch so many movies, it does reinforce your opinion of every other movie you watch. And that is gonna, you know, it, I feel like you have more to add to the conversation, the more you watch, whether it's a good movie or a bad movie. And that's hell, that's why we started this podcast is it's a place to talk about the shit films that like Mars needs moms and no one's talked about in 11 years. <laughs> I will say real quick, before I get to the, the, the question. Um, I will say the flip side of that is with that being a big horror fan, you know, that you know I am, I do like throwing them off and be like, okay, but like the new Saul movie, <laughs> or throwing some wild shit out there, some like, not even like either a horror film they heard of or one I only, of course, I've heard of because I keep up with all the shit. I'm like, no, but Mad God on Shudder from Phil Tippett, now that, that's a movie. And they're just like, what? And I'm like, 
I know. Oh, <laughs> uh, with that quick, actually, John Wick Four. Holy shit! Um, that's really all I had to say. I saw the trailer today. Um, with that, uh, Brayden, are you ready? To, you ready to hear the question I have? Yes, yes, I am. That's good. Actually, it's kind of two parts. I thought I don't have this one down, but I thought of it right before start filming. So I'll why well, I in my head or I'll one first. It's more movie related, the other one's not really movie related. I think it's just a fun question. But uh the first one, um so you know we kind of briefly talked about with this type of animation that was popular for a while. Like now being removed from it, like you said, like kind of like what's your thought on this style of animation? Do you do you hope for it to come back one day or are you just like don't ever have this happen cinema again yeah i think we need to we need to leave this in the 2000s i i don't know what prompted this exploration into how human we can make something look but it's freaky looking and it's unsettling and i don't care for it uh polar express gets a pass because it's a very heartfelt movie and i i like the message and i like the film and the music but everything else i've seen in this design is just odd and off-putting like either animate a movie or make it live action, but this weird middle ground animation that we tried, I don't, I don't care for it. It's uh, it's off-putting, especially in this movie where you've got that in humans and in Martians and nobody looks like normal or heroic or, you know, with, with animated movies, you know, you're typically the, the heroes are animated kind of soft and the bad guys are animated kind of rough. So you like as a child instinctively know who to, who to support, who to root for. Hard to do that when everyone looks like a fucking abomination. And they all look like Mr. Radigan. Um, <laughs> I don't know why I just saw the Great Mouse type of bikes. How much I love that movie. Uh, no, I'm, I'm with you. Like, it's like anything, right? Like, if you want to do this type of animation, one, I don't want to revisit it ever again. Like, I'm good. Let's never do this. Let's not do this animation anymore. Um, I'm. Um, you have to have the heart and good story, which, yes, I'm with you. Polo Express does at least have that. It has a good story, engaging characters, a lot of heart behind it. So I can, I can give it out in the past because I do enjoy that film very much. Um, but in a lot of other cases that I watch these films that did, I'm staring on, like, you know, you guys, and again, my argument I've always made about James Cameron post Titanic, right? You're putting so much care into the the look into the the technical aspect that you're letting the the part that draws me in keeps me in makes me go back and revisit a film that part's being put on the back burner it's like most films i revisit are not because you did this impressive technical thing or this impressive is because your movie was fun it's because you had good characters because you had a good story it's because you had heart those are the things that make me come back and watch a movie again not because you can make the camera do this or you can make the animation look like this. And it's, but then we could do like, I don't care about that technical stuff. I do to an extent, but I need, I need that to just support the more important stuff for me. Well, I look at a film like toy story, the original toy story at the time, revolutionary technology still looks really good, but you know, all the kids have the same face. There's like some weird technical, you know, yeah, watching that now there's some animation yeah. stuff that you you knows but it's such an incredible story and the characters are so great that i don't care what it looks like like they put the effort in the right places 
And, you know, same deal with like Jimmy Neutron, where like that movie was made with like technology you could get at Best Buy. And it's such as it's funny and it's quirky and it's memorable. It doesn't look that great. I don't care. It's a it's a good movie. So, you know, mm-hmm. content matters more than, you know, the the shiny suit. I don't know. Yeah, the the technology, the tech, the technical history part should support the creative part, in yes. my opinion. Yes, the creative part should be what matters, and then the other stuff should support it. Because then, when you have it, because especially when you have those moments when they merge, let's say a hallway fight scene, an old boy, right? You have the the creative side of like you're into that moment because he's trying to find answers to something you're engaged in what he's doing but then you have the technical wizardry supporting it of how they filmed it in one long continuous yeah. take so you're drawn to the scene that's how it should be when it's just when you have those moments where it merges so perfectly together like that yeah i'm so past you know look what my film can do i'm i don't you know visually i don't care unless you've already grabbed me with a compelling story and a compelling character and something for me to get emotionally invested in. If I'm not emotionally invested, I don't give a shit how it looks. Yeah. Um, recent example, it's only because I've seen the trailer now for the fourth film, which looks so good. Um, but John Wick, right? Like, yeah, it has insanely cool action scenes that they pull off filming our technical Marvel, but we care about that because they spent enough time getting us to care about, Keanu Reeves' character, the title character, John Wick. Those who haven't seen any of the films yet, um, they give us some time to care about him, what's going on in his life, and the story that we pick up on, the the inciting incident, and then all that backstory of like why they should fear him, blah, blah, blah. That by the time we got to those action scenes, you were already drawn in. And then you get the benefit of some of the coolest action scenes in modern American action cinema. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, that's why, you know, I think the Matrix Resurrection suffered so much in terms of, you know, critical and fan acclaim and box office is because it looked incredible, but no one knew what the fuck was going on. No one cared. Like the story was so bland that I, I you know, I was lost within 10 minutes. And by the time, you know, the shiny shit showed up, I didn't care. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, yeah, I think we're on the same page with that. And I think most people are on the same page as that, but again, and this kind of like we're talking about like casual versus like a a more season like an actual like film lover. I don't want to say snob, you know those fuckers do exist. Film buff. Film board. No, film buff is a good term that feels nice and squishy and fun and harmless. That's what I use. If this if you anyone heard that out of context and then hear the film buff part of that. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, a film buff, right? Like, you know, a casual fan is still... They're subconsciously picking up on it. Um, They just don't know. But they are, you know, oh, that's how you get the box offices you get, the you know, the numbers you get on streamers and all that stuff. Um, But, yeah, that's uh, that's my first question. Now, my second one's a little bit more fun, and it has less to do with movies and more kind of coning on the subject this thing talks about. Uh, and that is, what are your thoughts on possible alien life forms beyond our planet? I thought you were going to ask me if I loved my mom. 
No, because I would hope you just inherently do. Uh, it's weird that this kid had to come to a realization of like, oh my god, I think I love my mom. It's like, wow, you're a bad kid. Um, anyway. Oh, I'll get into that. He's a fucking... Oh, yeah. Um, yeah, I think... I believe in extraterrestrial life. I don't think it's on Mars, but I do think that, you know, statistically, you're an idiot if you think that we're the only planet in the infinite vastness of space that has life on it. I could never think that small. There is definitely something else out there. Whether or not, you know, it's humanoid or, you know, is aware of us is beyond me. But in terms of there being life out there, I would bet 100%. I'm saying I bet 100% there is. I already believe it. And then they did that thing where they finally, like, admitted, like, the government was like, hey, look. So I forgot what it was like. They opened the book and just were transparent. I forgot what they called it. But, like, they were like, hey, look. This much of it is for sure, like actual testing of planes and things like that. And then, like, this much though, we have no idea. Like, they straight up even said, like, yeah, we don't know. And I'm like, they basically admitted to fucking UFOs and that aliens could be real. And we as a country went, okay, uh, next. It wasn't even, it was some crazy, like, 80% number where they're like yeah all this we got no we got no idea we got nothing this could be anything moving on to the budget like what what you want to back you want to go back to that like don't just yeah, like wait don't just drop the fact that there might be alien life and you've been aware of it and then just move on like you're discussing like the fucking taxes come on man yeah it was crazy as we let them half the country went okay yeah let's talk about that budget roll it back roll it back no <laughs> I hope in our lifetime I get to see the red the red carpet rolled out for first contact. I, I mean, can you imagine? As as look, as long as it's nothing like Mars attacks or rule of the wards or anything like that, I'll be cool. Yeah, here's hoping for close encounters and not every other movie. <laughs> yeah. It's like the only peaceful alien contact movie ever made. All the other ones are intergalactic war. Because I yeah, hope I, I don't want to see that. Or if if I like if so, I want to be in like the center of the vaporization beam, so I don't have to see everything else happen. Yeah. Oh God. Yeah. Movies have taught me that it won't be friendly contact. Independence Day being probably the first one teach me that. Yep, that's the one I was thinking about. I'm gonna be. I'm hoping I'm gonna be on top of the first skyscraper that got obliterated. So I don't even see anything. I just, that it just, and I'm gone. <laughs> that's the way, that's the way you want to go. I don't want to be, you know, right. like, I don't want to be abducted and studied. <laughs> oh, I was thinking like, the, have you ever seen fire in the sky? I have. It's a good one. Dude, that abduction, like probing scene is still like one of the freakiest ones I've ever seen in my life. Well, just that, I mean, they passed a polygraph, like on paper, they're telling the truth. And that's fucking terrifying. Like, I don't know how, you know, I don't know what happened. Only people who know what happened is, is you know, Travis Walker, I want to say. I think so. Walton, Travis Walton. Yeah. Uh, but, um, yeah, I, I would love to, like, you know. I would love for that to be true, but also like I don't want him to go through that. But it's it's a very cool story. Like it's the only alien abduction story that like 
we could like is considered a biopic, which is really freaky. Yeah, because if you look at it, there's compelling evidence that that actually happened. Like they passed the polygraph, they stuck to their story, they told the same story individually, not as a group, like individually stuck to it. When it when it comes to shit like that, I always think like why lie? Like, what do you have to gain with like everyone in your town, all your friends and family thinking you're completely fucking nuts? Like, what do you have to gain from that? So I, I won't first thinking they murdered their friend. Then when he comes back thinking they're all nuts. Yeah. I I don't know. I mean, there's you know, there is the monetary thing. It's like, oh, I could sell my story, but I mean, these people don't really make a lot out of that. Like, I think of, like, the Amityville situation. Like, those guys lost their entire finances by claiming they lived in a haunted house, and they didn't make a dime off the book. So, like, what did they get out of that? A lot of terrible sequels that just slap Amityville on the title. <laughs> True. But, yeah, I, I I wonder about that. I'm, I'm trying to think of other... I really hope it's not a Dark Skies situation, because I'd, I'd rather die. Yeah. That was when I oh no I'm not gonna mention because it kind of ruins the the plot of the film. It's a major spoiler. But I'm actually not gonna mention the film, um, because it literally will spoil the the, the film. It, it it's weird. I just won't mention it. Um, okay. But uh, yeah, I have other than close to I don't think I've seen a single fucking one where aliens are well. Et Et had nice alien. Well, I don't know. The sequel was supposed to be Et goes home and you find out he was like the the nice one and his warrior alien race decides to invade earth for the way they treated et all right never mind <laughs> they didn't make that movie because that would have really hurt a lot of children but uh it was talked about <laughs> damn it yeah, no, alien. You. <laughs> et comes back with a vengeance Phone home harder. <laughs> ah, this time he's calling you. <laughs> I don't know. But yeah, it's uh I wonder about that. Like, you know, how would we handle it? Like who's the country who gets to represent Earth? That's what we would fuck up. That's what we were fuck up first. We'd be spending too much time on who's gonna make contact with the aliens first. Who gets to who gets to represent what? It's it's gonna be a shit show before it even begins. Yes. I don't know. actually I had a short story idea about that where it's like an alien envoy comes to Earth and says, like, we want to talk to your leader, and the countries of Earth bicker over who gets to represent Earth, and in the fighting, the alien decides he doesn't want to land there anymore. I was gonna, yeah, I'll, I'll I'll elaborate on that when I write the thing, but I thought that would be cool, kind of like a Confederacy of Dunces thing, but with it with an alien. It says that that's how it would uh, work. If anyone's been following the fucking the current political ongoings of America, that's exactly how that shit would work. Or Elon Musk would tweet about it, and the company he is digging a hole for right now. Oh, that fuckhead would try to represent mankind. He'd be like, I am the I am the envoy of, of Earth. And the alien would be like, I hope he'd be like, I don't think so. Be like, something about you doesn't doesn't feel kosher. I'm gonna I want to talk to somebody else. <laughs> what do you do on Earth? SpaceX. Tesla. 
Ursula. Winner. Oh <laughs> <laughs> man. Yeah, that's probably how it would go down. We'd trigger some intergalactic war by acting like fucking idiots. Right. <laughs> oh yeah, that, that is our outcome. Um but yeah, I thought that'd be a nice little fun question to do. Not if you love your mom. I would hope you unless you have obviously for those who are listening have had a shitty experience obviously you all have different upbringings i would hope the majority though that had good upbringings love their mothers well hey maybe your mom didn't run out on you when you were a kid maybe she was abducted by martians that's an maybe option she did actually, maybe she did actually go to the store to get milk and she got abducted oh my god it's terrible Oh, yeah, it's weird how the nuclear family extends into Martian society, too. <laughs> anyway. Yeah. No, that's not, we don't have to talk this about that. <laughs> this, this fucking movie. Yeah, the, we'll get into that after the, the development. Huh? But uh, if you have, unless you got more to add, uh, I say I'm sounds like we're on the same page with aliens. We believe in them. We are the molders of this podcast. Yes, we want to believe. Um, unless you have more to add, I am good to go on to development hell. The truth is out there. That's all I got. So, in case you didn't see it during the opening credits, or the fact that I mentioned earlier, uh, this film was produced by Robert Robert Zemeckis and directed by Simon Wells. Uh, These two gentlemen have been are actually attached to this film due to a friendship that developed in the mid '80s, uh, when Wells was the supervising animator and storyboard artist for Who Framed Roger Rabbit. Huh. That's interesting. I always thought Simon Wells was just brought into Hollywood to direct the Time Machine because he was H.G. Wells' great grandson. No, apparently he got he was working with the uh, Zemeckis. That's interesting. All right. Well, I still don't think he's a great filmmaker, but you know what? Good for doing it on your own. Yeah, I mean, nothing changes in my feelings on those films, but good for you, man. Uh and this is something that this this some um, collaboration will continue on films like Back to the Future Parts Two and Three, and later another film that had this animation that we just talked about, The Polar Express, which is the film that very obviously I feel like to the animation would ultimately attract him to making Morrisdine's Moms. Um, so not too surprising like he worked on that film went hey you know what let's do this because it's based off a book this is based off a, a book apparently um hmm. mars needs moms is based off a book i i wonder what that i wonder what that author thought of this i have a feeling this is not their vision what if it's like a hardcore r-rated book i'm gonna find out you keep talking about production i'm curious about this um so yeah, that, they, he retracts to this. Uh, the title of this film and the book itself, as well, is on, also fun fact a twist on the title of the American International Pictures. That's right, AIP, uh, a 1966 film, Mars Needs a Woman, which was also a Rob Zombie song. That doesn't sound like a kids' movie. 
The AIP one? No, yeah. it's definitely not a kid's movie. Mars Needs Women? Yeah, no, that doesn't sound like it. All right, so Mars Needs Moms, the book, written by Berkeley Brethed. That's a weird name. And, uh, yeah, it's like a picture book published in 2007. Yeah, kind of just... Yeah. Looks more... It doesn't look great. Doesn't scream. This needs to be a Disney movie. I'll tell you that. I just told that of like it being like a hardcore R-rated book. And Disney went, we can do this if we cut out all the bad stuff. They probably they've done that before. I mean, look well, at every fairy tale movie they've done. Yeah, I was like, they've done that quite a bit. <laughs> now, as you probably noticed, the aliens spoke Martian. I'm going to assume Martian in this film. That they fit. Yeah. Frustratingly has no, no fucking subtitles to. Yeah, it, it it's so uh, it frustrated me so much. I'm like, okay, look, I don't know what they're saying. So they're speaking in a different language. Can you put some fucking subtitles on? Because they're not that threatening if I don't know what's coming out of their mouths. Well, they I mean that was they were just, you know, waiting for they were establishing that so that later they could have the translating chip thing and just get around that. Even when they introduced the translating chip, they were still not bothering to translate anything the Martians said. Yeah, well, to an extent. I don't know. It's. I always wonder, like, who creates the languages in a movie that went nowhere? And do they feel like they've like they wasted a lot of time? Well, that's a great segue to this next part of development because I have a little bit of info on that. So, in developing the alien language that was featured in this film, all the actors spent a day where they recorded different interpretations of a list of words. The producers would then pick their favorite interpretations and put them in a book documenting the fictional language for the actors to speak. Wow, an entire day of work. That's That's insane. Again, this is why when actors complain about things like, I didn't get paid this back, me, 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 me. I'm like, you spent a whole day at work making up a language? <laughs> wah, wah, wah. I have to use English to do complicated shit that actually, you know, will affect the trajectory of my life. I can't afford to just spend a day in a recording booth speaking nonsense for millions. I would love to. Not up to me. Sounds like the life. Yeah, it does. No matter how much back pain it causes, Dan, you know who you are. Uh, during the filming process, actress Elizabeth Hanoi, who plays the the bad uh, Martian lady, the main villain of the movie, per se. Uh, stated in an interview that she and the other actors were given scenarios by Wells to which they acted out responses in the aforementioned improvised Martian language. So not necessarily even the script, just like, hey, here's a scenario and they acted out using that um, using that good old book they developed. Real quick, just want to give a quick correction. Elizabeth Harnoy was key, the nice Martian. Mindy Sterling was the evil Martian. God damn it. Okay, my bad. It Again, we're working on a late night here. Yeah, just just making sure everything is correct. 
I'm like, are you fact checking me? Are you like, yes. have Wikipedia open on your phone? Yes, every every time, every episode. So you just don't trust me? Well, I mean, clearly, you can't make that argument when you just fucked up, man. No, no, I am going to make that argument. <laughs> How dare you? How dare I'm you? Trying to me. keep it civil, but if you want to, if you want to go prison rules, I can. <sighs> oh, I'm just gonna do this live on air. How dare you? It keeps things real, and the audience likes it real. I assume. What audience? The two or three people listening to this who are going to tell me in person that they listened to it, and they probably are lying to me. That's not depressing at all. Yeah. By audience, I mean Josh and Austin. Who else do I mean? <laughs> Thank you for listening. Anybody who's listening to this who I don't know personally, I appreciate it. I also appreciate it quite a bit. Um yeah, that's that is how they pulled off the uh what Mace's Honestly, sound like traverse to most people in this movie. Sounds like they took the easy way out. A little bit. Yeah. I mean, it's not like they had like, you know, someone like Tolkien or someone that wrote a book and came up with the fucking language for them to base it off of. It's not like they had the limitless funds of Disney at their disposal to maybe try a little harder. That is true also. Look, Disney had a lot going on. This was 2011. They were putting a lot of their money into that first Avengers film. The MCU was a budding thing. They their resources were going elsewhere. Yeah. They had to put their money into Frozen. A little Simon Wells comes up and he's like, Hey Disney, I have this book about Martians and babies and moms, and I really want to make it. And they're like, Yeah, 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 sure. Do, do whatever you want. Go, 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 go. And he's like, Yay. <laughs> Makes this movie. I think I feel like that's how it happened. I would love the board meeting to say someone coming like so how's the movie going? So okay, so the one with the lady in the freezing, swimmingly, going great. Uh the one where we're taking the superheroes to team them all up and they battle like alien thingies in, in New York. On track to be great. Still up in the air. It's first time we've done something like this, but so far there seems to be good good reactions. And then also he gets to say, okay, so Oh, we also, what about the one with the, the Martians taking uh, kids' moms? And the guy's just like, I'm sorry, what movie? The one with the mom's kids are getting kidnapped? I, I greenlit that? <laughs> well, what's it called? Uh, uh, Mars uh, needs uh, moms. That's what happens. So that, that's what it's called. I didn't just come up with that off the top of my head, I promise. <laughs> Be a fly on the wall that. in these in these board meetings. Oh. Right. I just thought I know like they were just like at this point investing so heavily in like Avengers and Frozen that this is just like uh yeah, release it. Okay. Just honestly, I keep thinking we're making this movie. Just what else get it out there. What else happened that year? They had the super successful Muppets movie. Like they had, you know, Captain America, the first one, the first Thor, like 
2011, they had a lot to think about. So it makes sense that they had to pick a sacrifice. And this this was it. Every year when Disney has multiple projects, there's one that doesn't quite cut the mustard. To me, it's like they sacrifice that film so the others can live. That's that's how I've always viewed it with Disney. Now they have Disney Plus. Now they just take that movie they run on Sacrifice and they just dump it on Disney Plus. This year it would probably be Pinocchio for most people. Oh yeah, like, that, uh, that came uh, in with <laughs> Like this can be the sacrifice this year. Just put down Disney Plus. It's okay. <laughs> yeah, they've they've found a way to you know pay even less attention to some of their movies. It's it's pretty amazing. And always it's, with Robert Zemeckis too. He needs to get out of that relationship. It's a very one sided relationship. It is. It's sad. He's uh, one of my favorite filmmakers. He's made more of my favorite movies than any filmmaker. And what the fuck does he have to show for it lately? Dude, it's sad. And what's sad, too, is that I, I saw the trailer also today for Del Toro's Pinocchio, and it looks so much fucking better. That's because Del Toro doesn't know how to half-ass it. He devotes his full time and attention to every project he's a part of. This is true. This is very true. Yeah. Respect. We'll never be doing any of his films here because he has yet to produce a true piece of shit. <laughs> this is true. I mean, I was going to say, I know Austin has his feelings on uh, The Shape of Water. As the I one best out. picture that is tied to his show, he's going to have to deal with that. <laughs> I'm sorry, but yeah. Yeah, I'm sorry, Austin. That's a good movie, man. Shift War is a good goddamn movie. <laughs> yeah, but like, you know, Del Toro is just, he cares. And unfortunately, we have quite a selection of Zemeckis films to grab for this show. <laughs> a lot of his later career stuff. Yeah, it's sad. It's, it's you know, it reminds me, it's like in Willy Wonka when he comes out to, of the chocolate factory for the first time and he's limping and he looks sad and broken and all the kids are like oh my god what happened to Willy Wonka it's that but it's real without not- the fall on the spin yeah no tumble for Zemeckis this is just he he's broken and we gotta we gotta deal with that <laughs> and Disney keeps hoping like man Zemeckis if you just do something good maybe we'll give you like a Marvel movie or Star Wars but you just can't get it together on our shit i feel like it's it's more like zemeckis wants to do something really cool but disney keeps giving him the crumbs like bottom of the barrels like oh we gotta here fuck give him give him pinocchio we'll do pinocchio no one's gonna no one cares we'll do pinocchio we don't even care about these live action remakes anymore just fucking give it down yeah he's he's always here give him something <laughs> i'm sorry I feel bad ripping on Zemeckis. He really is responsible for like some of the happiest moments of my childhood. But uh. <laughs> I'm not. You know, what? I'm going to. I'm not sorry. Like I like I love a lot of his early stuff. Zemeckis, get your shit together and give me a good movie again. Come on, Bob. also don't work with HBO Max. Yeah, don't work with HBO Max because I've heard they uh, kind of pulled your movie off of the service unceremoniously. Yeah. Which one was that? The Witches. I remember if he produced it or just if he just produced that or he did direct it, but I know he was attached to the Witches. He directed that too. Yep. Well, it's not even on fucking Max anymore. They straight up pulled it off. So is it just in the wind? It's gone? 
Yeah, like all their shit they've been pulling off there since, you know, dumbass Zaslow's been in charge. It's crazy that we can just erase movies now. Yeah, that's why I will always support physical media. Can't erase fucking my 4Ks in my collection. I'm preparing for the day where they announce that the voodoo servers are going to be shut down for good. It's going to happen one day, and I'm going to lose 800 movies. So I keep buying and you know physical copies so i don't have to you know cry that hard yeah it's like no i i want to if i'm buying a movie i want to own it not no uh, yeah, yeah. Um, like an nft it's like i don't want to buy the idea of a movie i want the fucking movie yeah and the fact that zaslav and his infinite dumbassery is like i want to pull movies that just aren't performing on hbo max off the of service Including Max Originals that literally have no other means of being watched. I'm going to stand in front of a building on fire and declare that it is not on fire and it's doing great. <laughs> oh. Him and Musk are winning for like the year's most delusional CEOs for a company. Um, on that note, <laughs> isn't it crazy? There are options this year. Like, there's contenders for that crown. <laughs> <laughs> Battle of the Idiots. Who will take the crown? We've got a month left, and frankly, a lot could fucking happen. Yeah, and frankly, they're neck and neck. Yeah. And unbearable. And also, yeah. <laughs> and not remark- working from home anymore. Sorry to the Twitter employees. I got that email. Yeah. That news. If you work at Twitter and you're not running it, I apologize. Yeah, I feel if you work in anything, Elon Musk, because apparently that guy hates uh, working from home. Like all his businesses are like that. He demands that you come to the office every day. He's one of those CEOs of the older type that believes that like, what's why do they want to work from home? I, no, they need to come to the office and work. Forty hour work weeks. You you live to work. Sunday, 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 Zazla versus Musk, delusional CEOs head to head for the crown of the fucking morons. One night only. We'll sell you the whole seat, but you only need the edge. <laughs> okay. God damn it. <laughs> On one corner, we have one that doesn't want to give his employees health care benefits. On the other, same thing. <laughs> What movies? <laughs> oh, it's it's oh. funny because it's true. It's all true. And we've we've been seeing the the movie one happen in the news and the Twitter one literally just by opening my Twitter app and scrolling through. You know what movie I want to see? Mars needs Musk. They just abduct his ass and we never see him again. That sounds like a porno, and I don't want that. <laughs> Fortunately, it does, but it's the only pun that works. God damn it! <laughs> Look, and I want to see Batgirl, but I'm not getting what I want. There's a lot of that going around these days. <laughs> yeah. Oh boy. 
Ooh, all right. So the filming I mentioned, obviously, with this animation, for those who don't know how they pull off this uh, particular form of animations, a lot like how they do your video game cutscenes. Um, for those who aren't gamers, well, yeah, I've lost it already. But in case you're wondering, um, in case you're wondering with like this animation, like I said, the reason I said I compared to video game like cutscenes because what they do is they put actors in mocap suits. So think of it like this, like skin tight, fucking almost latex suit a bunch of balls sticking on it and has like a balls on like a on a stick that stick into you and they're it looks goofy but that's meant to capture your body and all your facial stuff they put stuff on your face so it can get captured all that good stuff it's latex like, it's ball really suit, gotcha. yeah it's really neat but a lot of work to uh to pull off right so i mentioned that because due to how they filmed this film like i just described it um believe it or not for those who didn't know actor seth green who actually plays the physical performance of our main character um described doing the motion capture as physically demanding work due to having to do, do things like running jumping falling hitting and spinning while wearing an incredibly uncomfortable harness um what he is talking about is that with all that stuff they usually have a harness that is fucking attached to them a camera pointing right at their goddamn face. That camera's capturing all the movements. Um, and it's it's I I get it. That would honestly I know just made my jokes about actors having like this would be the part where I always talk about like you know this is a non glamorous side to acting you know quote unquote non glamorous side you know not you're not always going to get your Tarantino or you know type of dialogue that DiCaprio couldn't deliver and all that good stuff. You're going to have things like this. You have to be very uncomfortable to perform and make it look like you're not uncomfortable at all. It's true. So I get it. I yeah, I get where he's coming from. I can see what he's. I get where he's coming from. Just want to point out, especially because we live in a world where you know you get idiots like Tom Brady comparing his life to fucking deployment. Um, this is one thing where an actor said something. I went, okay, makes sense. I get why this would be pretty physically demanding shit to do. Yeah, true. Well, it is not like, you know, Seth Green didn't say like, oh, it's like doing two tours. Like, he didn't say that. He just said, oh, it hurts. <laughs> like, I can get behind that. <laughs> yeah. Hey, I'm an adult. I'm like, I would probably, probably like in his 30s at that point. Yeah. Yeah. Why is I going to like what's happening to it? <laughs> but of course, when, you know, the credits rolled and I saw Seth Green's name first, I was like, huh. Didn't sound like Seth Green. But I'm sure we'll get to that. We will. That's next. I just want to talk about that first. Uh, so after spending six weeks doing all of this aforementioned physically demanding motion capture work for the character of Milo, it was decided Green's voice sounded too mature for the character because, again, I want to say he was about maybe in his 30s at this time. I don't know what year he was born. I'm just throwing a number out there. Um, but he's an adult. He's a fully grown man. <laughs> um, so because of it, they dubbed him over by 12 year old newcomer Seth R. Dusky. It took six weeks to realize Seth Green does not sound like a nine year old. Yes. But they replaced him with a new model, Seth. Yes. That's hilarious. He still did the physical performance. Someone else just did all the, the dialogue. Feels like you could have gotten, I don't know, fucking anybody to do the physical model of a nine year old kid. Is I mean I, I feel like Seth Green. Does he, you think he even credits this as one of his movies? 
I I hope not, because like look, I like Seth Green quite a bit. I think that dude's hilarious. Shit, it seems like a cool dude. Same. Love Seth. Green. Yeah, love Seth Green. But this is how do you guys fucking utilize him? Like, come on! Like, like you have like one of the most underrated, in my opinion, comedians like working. Like this guy has given us Robot Chicken. You know, obviously, very early on in his career, he was in Buffy the Vampire Slayer, the TV show, not the movie. Um, you know, I think I mentioned, you know, he created Robot Chicken for Christ's sakes. Like, the guy is way up there in comedy. He's one of the funniest parts of uh, one of our past episodes, uh, Sex Drive, where he plays the sarcastic oh, yeah. <laughs> He's always like, man, whenever he pops up, like a quick little, like, supporting roles like oh my god yes he was in an episode of holliston where um the plot was like adam and joe need a makeup artist for their their movie they're trying to make shin pads and he calls the guy and it ends up being seth green <laughs> but he plays like this schizophrenic dude that has like two different personalities so they never know who they're going to get and it's fucking hilarious at one point he even breaks like the fourth wall and so it's like shitting on their movies specifically hatchet <laughs> he's like oh yeah like some idiot director trying to do that stupid low budget movie or something like like he goes hard <laughs> and Adam goes that's okay you can stop ad-libbing seth <laughs> like oh sorry yeah okay that's funny but yeah this is such a it's just weird that like it took six weeks to realize that it's like wait a minute the boy is going to sound like a 30-year-old man. Like, that's not an epiphany moment. That's something that should have been discussed on day one when you hired Seth Green to play a nine-year-old. Yeah. Why did you hire Seth Green to play a nine-year-old? Oh, my God. Yeah, that's funny. Do you think they also had a moment of like, wait a minute. These people aren't Martians. How are we going to do this? This takes place on Mars? Yeah, it's in the title. Uh, give me like 10 minutes. He just starts rewriting the entire script. Earth needs moms. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, if we're going to be literal, let's take it to the max. The movie that movies originally ran into like kidnapping dads and the guy's just like, the movie's called Mars, Mars needs moms, right? Yeah, what's the issue? Why are they taking the dads? The moms are the moms getting taken? No, just dads. The title is Marcy's Moms. <laughs> I just love like this things like this constantly happening along the way. Would make so much sense to go the fact that they just went, yeah, we got so we got Seth we're gonna play a nine-year-old and no one went. Uh-huh. How old is he again? <laughs> Picturing the oh, this set of frozen, and they're like. How did you find a talking snowman to record a voice for this movie? It's like, wait, what? No, it's an actor. Well, you can't do that. That's, he's not a snowman. How, how are you going to do that? A snowman or I'm out. <laughs> God, Zootopia must have been fucking impossible. Sloth or I walk. When you, I mean, you know, the amount of production notes we've we've seen from moron producers, I would not be surprised if somebody had a moment of like, but, the, but. Like lions can't talk. How how are we gonna do this? Yeah, so the movie's pretty good, but like could we get rid of the city of animals? 
Does Elsa have to have ice powers? Is that set in stone? <laughs> Maybe wind. We could try wind. Fire is pretty cool. I like fire. Let's do fire. Does Captain America have to be the main character of Captain America? We we don't want to use Peggy. Peggy seems like a cool character. What about Steve? I watched a documentary on Canadian moose last night, so my question is, can Captain America be from Canada? I'm going to go with yes, because I'm paying for this. Hmm. <laughs> Put a maple leaf on that shield, or you're fired. <laughs> People, he better apologize all the time. I, I honestly couldn't. I, I couldn't take orders from people that stupid. I, I, I admire people in the film industry who are able to make something while they have morons like that breathing down their neck at every moment. Right, like Adam Green getting a fucking a, a note on an Aquaman script. Yeah, can you take the water out of this? <laughs> Aquaman, what the fuck? Or Superman has to fight a big spider because I'm obsessed with Discovery Channel right now. <laughs> that takes a cake for me still. It's like, wow. <laughs> oh. I, yeah, I forgot about that one. God damn it. <clears throat> well, either way, it, it, it flew past the radar that Seth Green would not sound like a nine-year-old. So... That's about it on like the Rocky stuff. After that, all the guys that you know, the film comes out, and like I said, it becomes a legendary bomb with it taking on two distinct uh wins that it probably doesn't want, but nonetheless, it has now. First is being it has uh it bombed with it being the worst financial loss for a Disney brand film, I think, to this day. Beautiful. Yep, and the it's the fourth largest box office failure in history. Ooh, it, no one cracked the top five. Not the only one, but top five. What a, a Disney box office failure feels like. It feels like the end of three hundred when Leonidas gets Cersei's with the spear, and he doesn't kill him, but he makes him bleed, and everyone realizes, <laughs> oh, the God King is no god. It's like, yeah, Disney is not infallible. They they fuck up too. It's always nice to you know see Disney bleed a little bit. Yeah, they just know how to hide their fuck ups. <laughs> yeah, they do. They sweep so much under the rug. It's amazing. Yeah, this one they've they've tried. It's fourth largest box office failure in history. Not the top five you want to be in, but by God, you're in a movie. Yeah, take you know. Uh, it's the only win you're going to get, so take it. Yep, and uh, with that, critics weren't too far behind, like we talked about. They mostly praised the technical history, but painting the bland story, saying it hasn't hard, blah, blah, blah. Um, and that that's actually it. There's pretty short uh, development held this week. Nice. It's nice to have a short one sometimes. Also sounds weird out of context. Yeah. You're on a roll with these out of context comments. I am in a good place comedically today. 
Well, with that, I say it is time to move on to the Zach to the awards. And our first one is Zack Snyder, you know, the guy that's universe is never happening as per James Gunn with DC. So keep trying to think it. It's not happening, Snyder fanboys. <laughs> um all the worst scene. What do you got? Well, first off, I'd just like to say that with the re- recent recording of the pilot of my new podcast, uh, Fake True Stories, that I'm doing with my friend Isabel Gonzalez, I have officially shit on Zack Snyder on five different podcasts. And that feels good. <laughs> so, you're welcome. I'm proud of you. <laughs> um, my award for the worst scene. Actually, I had trouble with this one because there wasn't a lot in the movie where I was like, holy shit, that was bad. Uh, I went with the scene where Gribble is nearly executed uh, for a number of reasons. Uh, shit got real for a Disney movie. Like, they were about to murder somebody. He was pleading. He real like he had realization of like, I'm about to die, and he accepted his fate. And I'm like, this is for kids, right? This is this is still a kid's movie. Because <laughs> this is pretty dark shit. It was just tonally completely different from everything else in the movie, and was just an odd choice. I was like, I had a moment of like, are they really going to kill this guy? They did that a lot with Gribble. Like his whole backstory is just out of nowhere. It's dark and you're like, holy yeah. shit. Dude watched his mother die a horrible death right in front of him. And then just accepted I'm stuck on Mars. And then like has just kind of gone isolation crazy. And then was almost executed by the Martian government. It's like, what the fuck is this movie? <laughs> A kids movie, apparently. Good lord! One that teaches you about death in a really harsh way. Love your mom and let her know that, or else she might get abducted and vaporized because Martian robots need to know how to nanny. <laughs> it's not a great lesson, but it's the only one the movie's got. It's not also, a great dad lesson. doesn't matter in the slightest. There's another one. Oh, yeah, apparently I don't need, need dads at all. Um, you know, that, 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 that's, that's a good one. I'll give you that. Um, I had the same issue. There's nothing that really, like, made me go, like, oh, if I roll, roll my eyes. There was one moment that only, and it has a lot to do with Gribble, and I'll get into that later. But it's the part where uh, Gribble lets uh, Milo, our main character, walk into the building. I know the belief that he's undercover, but then it's revealed he knows he'll get caught just so he can, and I air quote this, save him. I wanted to punch Gribble in the goddamn face and that scene. I'm like, dude, are you serious? Like, it, it's such a frustrating scene. It's like, this is stupid. This is stupid. Like, I'm already not really on this kid's side. I don't like the kid due to, like I said, a certain line that I'll get to in a minute. But I don't like Ribble either, like, at all. And now I'm watching this guy be like, okay, kid, go into a building where they will kill you. But it's all so I can save you and live my fucking fantasy. Yeah, towards the beginning, I I started thinking, like, Ribble's the bad guy? I didn't expect that to happen. So he's, like, insane and psychotic, and this is, like, a Lego Movie 2 situation. Okay. Wow. That's new. But then all of a sudden, Ribble's like, you know what? I'm going to help you for real this time. And the kid is so fucking trusting. He's like, great. Gribble's my best friend. And it's just, you just go with that. 
Yeah, even though Gerbil definitely almost got him killed, like, right off the bat. And not by accident. It was intentional. He was manipulating you, kid, and you're too stupid to realize it. It, Yeah, it, yeah, fucking goddammit. Yeah, this scene was the one that I wrote immediately. It's the only one I wrote immediately and went, this this is my reason why. Everything else in this movie is like, okay, but that just was like, fuck you, Gribble. And fuck you, kid, for believing him. Yeah, that's Gribble-tastic. Good pick. On that note, the head would. Worst line. What do you got? Again, difficult. Dialogue is not, you know, brilliant, but it's also not like noticeably horrendous. I noticed that from a lot of animated movies. The dialogue is just there to service the plot. There's no like profound moments. Uh I went with uh the first time we meet uh Key, who learned how to speak English by watching like footage of Woodstock. So she talks like a 60s hippie. And she yeah which I thought was a weird choice in a kid's movie. Again, these kids aren't going to know what the fuck Woodstock is or sixties hippies. Or they don't know what the, I don't know. But, um, she says to Milo mellow out, man, I'm not the fuzz. I'm not busting you. It, it had a vibe of that Steve Buscemi meme of like, hello, fellow kids. <laughs> you know, it just didn't feel genuine and just took me out of the movie for a second. So I'm like, all right, I already don't like this, this, this character for the way they were introduced. So, <laughs> yeah, it, I mean, none of the characters to me were really good. I don't, I can't tell you a single good character in this fucking movie, but yeah, it's, it's really weird hearing her talk like that. And you're like, what the fuck? And it's like, yeah, it's fine. She watched like a lot of sixties shit. So she's like obsessed. So you're telling me that the Martians were only able to ex- to intercept one signal from Earth in its entire history of satellites, and it was a 60s sitcom? Nothing from the 70s, 80s, 90s, 2000s? Nothing? <laughs> nothing. Mind you, they have all the power in the world to look at humans inside what moms they want. Yeah, you'd think they'd be constantly monitoring Earth like and its culture so that they know who to grab, but I guess not. I guess they just wing it every few years. Yeah, that's what it sounds like. They're just like, we, we got this. We'll wing it. We vaguely know what a mom looks like. We'll be fine. It's fine. It'll be okay. Uh, so, yeah, good one. Mine has to do with the, the straight hill of our main character. Um, not saying nine-year-olds suck. Just this one does. Um, but... He is so unlikable, like right off the bat. He does everything where you see them on busting her ass, and he is so ungrateful and so just all over the place. And I'm already not liking him. And then we get to the bedroom where he has a fight with his mom and says this immortal line that look, see when he has a fucking parent, right? And you're a teenager, don't say this shit to your parents. You never know what the hell's gonna happen as soon as this escapes your mouth. And that is, my life would be so much better if I didn't have a mom at all. Fuck you, kid. Ah! Breaks your heart. I mean, not really from this movie, because there's no emotional investment in this thing whatsoever. But in a real-life situation, yeah, that would hurt. Yeah, real-life situation, that would hurt. Um, And look, again, like, look, again, I'll say it again, you know, Obviously, I understand different circumstances um, when it comes to people and their upbringing and their parents. Obviously, not everyone has that kind of relationship with their mother 
our father, right? And I get that, you know, there's, there's definitely exceptions. And for those who do have like kind of just, it is what it is. Just, I, I, you know, nothing I can do about that. Um, but for those who do have, you know, a mom and dad or, you know, two moms, you know, what have you, uh, that are loving and are caring and are raising you the best they can, don't say shit like this to them. Don't fucking say shit like this to them. They're they're working their ass off for you. They're every day. And what if you say that and then they I fucking I live in a goddamn state that seems like there's a wreck every fucking day on my way to work. What if they're in the car that happened again that wreck and they don't get it, they don't come home. That's the last thing you want to leave on. And all because what you had to eat your veggies for dinner. Like, grow the fuck up. Yeah, in the span of this scene, we see this kid uh, refuse to eat his vegetables, nearly kill the cat, refuse to go. Oh, excuse me, refuse to go to bed. And the going to bed is the the straw that breaks the camel's back, where he's just like, "I wish I didn't have a mom. How dare you tell me to go to bed at a reasonable hour?" It's like, yeah. I mean, to be fair, nine year olds are fucking shitheads, so they're all gonna think that at one point. We all had that moment of like, life would be so much better if we didn't have parents when we're trying to eat chocolate chip cookies in a bed at like. 10 and 10 o'clock at night you know but you know yeah. looking back as adults we now we're like oh yeah kids are kids are terrible kids are sel- selfish little bastards and this is what they think yeah, yeah. it's up to you as parents like, to make sure they don't end up like selfish fucking adults yeah <laughs> and what's crazy is that she just wanted them and i guarantee you like any parent moment that door was shut for the night she probably would care less what he did in that bedroom as long as he didn't wake her up. You want to read a book, kid? You want to watch some TV, play a video game? As long as you don't wake me the fuck up. Yeah. I just this... need you in your room at this time. But when he says that and she's like, oh my God. She she didn't, I bet in that moment she didn't think my kid's a shithead. She thought, I'm a terrible mom. And Yeah, she... and that's the other thing with that is that when when you know, you say that to your parent, what have you, and you know, and same thing if you say something like this to your dads. I don't want to like leave, you know, obviously the dads out of this either when you say shit like this. Um, but it does, you know, you think it they're mad at you when they say it, or like it, it has this weird no, what you do is then you cause doubt on them, like, oh my god, I'm a terrible parent. What did I do wrong to get this kind of... It's like, now you've just made it worse. Now you've been playing this weird seed in their head. Yeah. Don't be an emotionally manipulative shitheel, no matter how old you are. That's the lesson I took away from this. Yes. There's a reason they're trying to go to bed at a reasonable time. There's a reason they want you to eat your vegetables. Just do it. It's not the end of the world. To any nine-year-olds inexplicably listening to this podcast, be a better kid. Your parents... Yeah, if there are kids listening to this, be a good kid. Don't be this kid. Do not be Milo. Uh, for those who are adults listening to this, yeah. (laughs) For those who are adults listening to this, it's too late. You've you've made your bed. If you're you're great, you have greatly show your parents or you don't, and I can't do anything to change that. And if you're thinking about, you know, the fact that you might have created a shithead kid, well, guess what? You didn't wrap it up. And now you apparently didn't, you know, educate well. So there's nothing to do at this point. If you're 
if you're dealing with a nine or 10 year old, the mold has been broken. You you're, this is what you've got now. So make the most of it. Yeah. Should have pulled out. If that's what. Oh, <laughs> uh, this guy. Note, this yeah. It was like the only line I could think of. Cause most of this dialogue here is here. Like really not the worst thing ever, or it's speaking without subtitles. But um, this was just the one that got me, got me and it's just because that personal idea of it of like, don't let that be, especially going to bed. Like, don't. I'm a big fan of like, don't try to go to bed angry. So like, don't let that be the last thing you say before you go to sleep for a night. It's good advice. Yeah. Um. On that note, the Steven Seagal, the worst performance. Who did you pick? So I had, I had Dan Fogler as Gribble for the longest time. Uh, but ultimately he started to grow on me amazingly. And I went with, uh, Joan Cusack as mom for one scene specifically. First off, maybe give her a name for God's sake, some agency. She's not just mom. She's a whole person. Yeah. Right. It's that age old idea of like women lose their independence when they, in comparison to only mom, it's like, that's such an age, age old fucking shit to place on women. Like, Jesus Christ. To be fair. You shouldn't lose dad, your identity. To be fair, dad is also just called dad. So I think it's like just parents are no longer who they are until they, when they become parents. And I know parents who are still the person they were. Amazingly. Yeah. That can happen. <laughs> yeah. Don't get me wrong. Obviously, yes. When you become a parent, a large chunk of your life is centered around that. I get that. I understand you're raising a child. But you're but not just mom and dad. It's not like they pull out your driver's license, they cross out your name, and they just write mom or dad. It's like, no, you are still a person. You still are a functional member of society. You just have to deal with this now. Yeah. Anyway, the scene in question is when she wakes up in the like space cannon thing and screams. And the scream was so unbelievably unconvincing. Like that is not the scream of somebody who just woke up on Mars. That is the scream of somebody who's getting paid to act in a booth and has an appointment at five and they got to get through this. <laughs> so, yeah, I was like, Joan, two-time Academy Award nominee, Joan Cusack, you you are better than that. <laughs> well, the idea of she's looking at the watch like, I got to hurry. I got like a five o'clock. It's three. LA traffic, like I gotta, I gotta get this done. <clears throat> uh, I don't do two takes. That's what you get. I have an appointment. I'm leaving. Yeah, like I'll see you tomorrow, Bob, Simon, whichever one you are. I don't remember faces. I'm trying to keep Leave me alone. <laughs> I don't. Yeah, I just. I I thought. I thought the character was kind of, you know, half done. She's more of a plot device than a character. And the, uh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I just thought the performance wasn't great. I'm glad you picked her. Cause I did pick Dan Fogler cause I didn't have to come around on his character. I fucking hated Gribble this whole goddamn movie. Fair enough. Fair enough. Go God, did it. I just, yeah. God, did I despise Gribble? He was fucking annoying. Send the kid to his death. And 
they try to do the backstory, which to their credit is a very trashy backstory and is very dark. But dude, dude, I it's like anytime you start doing his shows, and as well as I do think Dan Fogler can be like really funny and likable, he is the sole bright spot to all three Fantastic Beast films. Um, but here he's just fucking annoying and unlikable. Yes. Have you seen Balls of Fury? Yeah. That's where I first saw Dan Fogler, and I love that movie to death. I think it's hilarious. And his his Randy Daytona always makes me laugh. So I just keep hearing Randy Daytona this whole time. But, uh... Yeah. I think it's weird that he gets to just, like, the movie ends with him, like, going on to pretty much fuck a Martian. It's an odd, odd decision there. <laughs> Look, man, you got aliens. You're going to try. So, yeah. The fat, weird, nerdy, living alone for 30 years under Mars robot guy meets the only Martian who knows human civilization and finds him irresistible. Who wrote this thing? Two dudes. Yep. Is one of them chubby? Are both of them chubby? I don't know. That was a good question. (laughs) (laughs) I don't. The Michael Bay. Where's for making decision? What did you come up with? This movie looks weird. We talked about it, but this animation does not click. It's odd. It's weird. It's unsettling. And especially with Gribble when he's like opening his mouth and shit, it looks like something... It looks like an AI trying to figure out what a human looks like and almost getting it right. And that's that's terrifying. So, yeah, the animation looks super creepy. What do I do with my hands? <laughs> For me, it's the eyes. It's like the eyes are not in the right place. The eyes don't react properly to things. This is like a really long-ass cutscene for a video game. Yeah, that was made in like 1998. Released like well over 10 years later. Yeah. So that was my, I wrote, that's the first thing I wrote down. The second this started, I'm like, oh, this is going to look fucking weird the whole time. Yeah. Mine's, mine's along the same path. I kind of mentioned it earlier when I was talking about it with Cameron Haifa. But mine was the fact that, yeah, they favored t- tactical wizardry over things which draw me and like a gripping story, like full characters engaging dialogue. So you got like I don't want to hammer home too much what I talked about earlier on that like this film focuses so much more on its technological aspect instead of its creative a- aspect. Enough said, as the late great Stan Lee would say. Excelsior. Um. Now that uh we've given out words for the bad, let's discuss our respective silver linings. The one positive thing we take away from this film. What what did you somehow figure out for this one? I'm glad Gribble got to fuck that Martian. He's living out all our dreams. No, I'm kidding. Mine was uh, <laughs> uh, the self-sacrifice scene, actually, I thought was really touching, where the kid's helmet breaks and mom immediately puts the helmet on the kid and the kid wakes up and mom doesn't have a helmet. And Gribble's like, I put a helmet out there to save my mom. And he gets that helmet and saves mom. I actually thought that was very touching. So I went with that whole scene. Okay, that's not that's not a bad one. That you know, it's one of the better scenes in the movie. I'll give it credit. 
She would now granted, you know, that's what the knowledge that she would have one hundred percent died. Yeah, that, that helmet was so far away. We all saw total recall. We know what happens when your helmet breaks on Mars. <laughs> you don't oh, just yeah. lie there quietly, your head explodes. Exactly. Can you imagine if like he put the helmet on her? Her head so explodes. Like, I would love wait. I would love if they literally cut to a scene to the scene in Total Recall where he's just like, ah. <laughs> just... Dude, I remember like when I first didn't know what the fuck that movie was, and I watched that scene. The the Marsh no death scenes on Mars are insane. However, Roman films those with just like how they're reacting and like their shit's like bulging and their head just fucking pops. Verhoeven's secret talent is in super creative death scenes. Yeah. It... To me, nothing takes the cake like the dude getting his brain sucked out in Starship Troopers. <laughs> oh my god, dude. And the sound effects for that fucking scene. His his eyes rolling back into his head. It's like, oh boy. <laughs> yeah, that is. And the guy was such a shit. You just kind of, you're like, woo, he's dead. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. No, I'm saying like, thank God. Yeah. Barbara Verhoeven, man, between Starship Troopers, uh, Total Recall. Oh, God. I'm, forget- I'm forgetting something. Robocop. Robocop. There you go. Like that man. Yeah. He knows how to do oh. a fucking death scene that sticks in your head. Second place. Guy getting shot in the dick in Robocop. Oh, God. Yeah. The the toxic sludge shit when he come. Oh. Yeesh. Yeah, there's some, there's some, there's some hammers in RoboCop. Ah, love for Hogan. Leave, bitches, <laughs> leave. I love that line. <laughs> Fucking Clarence Boddicker putting foots up asses since 1987, and we'll be doing it at some point on Netflix in the near future. Woo! That nice show. Yeah. Uh, nice. Uh, for me, uh, I. Apparently, saying the opposite of you, and I flipped it, and that is, I, I actually do think a lot of the technical wizardry part is pretty good since they slowly focused on that. Um, the way a lot of the camera moves during a lot of scenes, how they pull off a lot of camera work and stuff, is impressive because it's very clear it's being filmed like an actual film, not 2D. So the camera moves in a lot more different places. You usually see animated films move it, and the animation again, I'm not gonna say it's great, it doesn't bug me um as much. I love that your Michael Bay is that they focus too much on the technical stuff, but then your silver lining is like at least it's pretty good. <laughs> Backhanded compliment. I love that. Yeah, I had nothing else. I was like, there's nothing else I could think of. <laughs> Fair enough. Yeah. So, unless you got more to add, I think it's time to move on to our last segment of the evening. And that is What's in the Box? What's in the fucking box? Uh, a lot of puns. Uh, and a lot of people forgetting this was a real movie. It's actually pretty funny. The uh, There's a lot of weird shit in here. 1.9 out of 5. On yeah, one of the lower films we've covered here. I think the winner is, I think, I'm pretty sure the winner is still Green Lantern. I think that was like 1.7. But yeah, uh, it might have gone lower. I don't remember. Uh, I haven't gone lower yet. We can, like Dennis Reynolds, we can go lower. 
or the podcast in the jorts, we can go lower. Anyway, uh, here are five reviews of Mars Needs Moms. All of these are pretty quick. There's not a lot of uh, diatribes here, just quick, snappy shit. This one's from the this one's from the cats from cats like that name. Congrats to the Disney animator who had a thigh gap fetish and got to make a movie about it. One and a half star. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. All of the Martian ladies are uh, proportionally pretty, pretty similar. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, they are. Yeah. This next one's from Parker. I cannot believe my sister picked this over literally anything else. This is why we don't fucking get along. One star. Jesus Christ. <laughs> wow, we had some personal info on that one. Yeah. Parker, you, you need to have a talk with your sister. <laughs> ah, this, this next one's from Lou. I always thought this was a weird nightmare, not an actual movie. One star. Can you imagine... <laughs> Like you had this weird nightmare about like aliens abducting moms for some weird nefarious purposes, and then you stumble upon this on Disney Plus, and you're like, "Holy shit, this was real!" <laughs> they know what I they know what I dream of. That's got to be a moment of like some Black Mirror shit of like, "What is real? <laughs> what is fake? What is life?" <laughs> oh, this next one's from Beth. A film that's a film that's bursts out of the ether of your long gone forgotten childhood memories who knew disney once dabbled in martian milfs i'm sure they don't want to remember i certainly don't one star <laughs> oh god again martian milfs i guarantee you that's the porn parody of this damn movie yep i agree and my final one made me think of you this is from quaff i liked the part where everything sucked half a star us too, Quaff. Us too. How'd that remind me? How'd that remind you of me? That was kind of you the whole time tonight. It was just nothing good. Just stump trying to find some positive shit and just ripping it apart. Yeah, I I really couldn't. I did not enjoy a second of this movie. <laughs> well, that's what's in the box. Everyone hates this or forgot it existed until they found it again. Yeah, I'm kind of mad that we unburied it, but here it is. Yep, here it is. All right, well, before I reveal what next week's episode is, be sure to follow us on social media. Follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram under Filmgasm Productions. If you want to shoot us a recommendation, feel free to email us at filmgasm.gmail.com. If you'd like to donate and support us, and that way you can find us on Anchor. And finally, feel free on our site, filmgasm.com, for reviews, trailers, articles, in all of our episodes. Next week, we are sticking with the family route still, but this time looking at the live-action adaptation of the most popular cartoons of all time, Scooby-Doo. I'm looking forward to this one. It's been a hot minute since I've seen this film, but it was one I remember really liking as a kid, mainly because I really like Scooby-Doo. Um, yeah, spoiler alert, it's going to be hard for me to go after this one negatively because I actually really like this movie. Yeah, like I said, it... I'm a Scooby Nut. I remember liking this as a kid, and I will. I was Scooby Nut, and then there was a the whole like you know me having my um crush on Sarah Michelle Geller. So it was kind of like, oh Scooby Doo, and oh she's in it. Oh my god, and you know, and then I ended up actually liking the film as a kid. But again, I've seen it in years. I need so this will be a rewatch for 
God knows how long I've, since I've last seen it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, this will be fun. I this was my introduction to Sugar Ray, and pretty much everyone else's like farewell to Sugar Ray. <laughs> he had a great one head wonder ear. <laughs> yeah, we're gonna uh, have a lot to unpack next week. I'm I'm looking forward to that. Yeah, it's and that's gonna be a very interesting development. Um, spoiler or hint: James Gunn was attached to this film. Um, I want a very different version of what we got. Uh, on Filmgasm, we'll be going back into the James Bond well. We'll look at one of the better ones this time, reversing it, The Living Daylights. Looking forward to this one as well. Yeah, nice. You know, on a whim, I watched GoldenEye recently, and I was like, this is this fucking rocks. God, yeah, dude, GoldenEye is great. It's amazing what happens when you watch like one like what we did, Octopussy, if you want to check that episode out from last week. And you're like, let me watch a good James Bond. And when you watch a good one, it's like, ah, oh, this is why this is why I like James Bond. Yeah. You need to, you know, you need to wash the flavor out with a with a good one, a reminder of why why you keep going back to this well. Yeah. <laughs> and that applies to any franchise ever. Yeah. Yes. You know, I mean, not always have enjoyed a lot of the you know, Texas Chance of Massacre sequels. I go back to that original one, I go, this is why. Yes, indeed. Yes. Um, and on Oscar Sunday, for once, I didn't have to look the movie up because I know this movie. I saw it in theaters. Of the many people I saw in theaters, uh, they'll be looking at the epic conclusion-ish, because I know it's still ongoing, to one of the most popular franchises still ruling the box office today. Like I said, we are literally recording this after seeing the newest installment in the series. Um... But they are talking about the one, the only, Avengers. Oh, yeah. This is interesting because Austin, not a big MCU guy, and I am pretty, you know, dedicated. So it's a, it's going to be an interesting back and forth with this one. Yeah, very interesting. I, 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 I forget where Austin falls on this movie. I know you really like it. I myself loved it. I still love it. I think... All people that think it wasn't a great conclusion, fuck you, it was a great conclusion. Um, that's my two cents. Um, or conclusion-ish, because again, as we know, the MCU itself is still ongoing, but this was a great conclusion to the saga they had built up to, to that era, if you will, of the Marvel Universe. So it was good in that regard. The Infinity Saga. It's the conclusion to the Infinity Saga. If you want, you can stop right there and just forget everything that's happened since 2020. And you know what? I want to blame you because I'll say right now, phase four, you've been kind of mediocre at best. Sorry. Hot take. If that if that isn't even a hot take with fans. Endgame rose our expectations to insane levels that only Spider-Man No Way Home was able to meet. And that's yes. just, that's Marvel. They peaked. It's a shame. I, I hate to say it, but they peaked. Yes. Hopefully we'll get proven wrong with phase five and six. They, they keep claiming it's going to be awesome, but we'll see. Um, on that note, though, until then, make sure to appreciate your moms and everything they do for you and your dads. Let's not leave them out. Uh, never know when, never know when Martians might snatch them up for their own nefarious purposes. See you all next week on Beyond the Bed. Thank you.
Thank you.